Today's daf is daf Lamed Ches. We're holding the Mishnah towards the bottom of Lamed Zayin and with Beis. So, day the Mishnah. Shoreshel Yisroel Shenagach Shoreshel Hegdish. If you have a Jewish-owned ox that gored an ox that belongs to the Beis Hamikdash, or the other way around, Shul Hegdish Shenagach Shoreshel Hegdish, or you have an Hegdish ox that gored a privately owned ox of a Jew, Potter. There is no Nezakin. You don't pay either way. There is no payment. Why not? Shenemar, because the Pazik says, Shara'eyu. When the Pazik is uh, speaking about it, specifically talking about Tom, by the way, when a Tom animal gores and you have to pay big payments, Chatzinezek, it says Shara'eyu. So Re'eyu implies your fellow man. And therefore, it's only between one fellow man and another fellow man, which means if there's Hegdish involved, then no payments are made. Veloy Shoshal Hegdish. Now, if you have a ox that is a Jewish-owned ox that gored a ox of a Knani, all right? In fact, I think the original Gersa was Nochri. They changed it to Knani. You'll see this in all the anti-Semitic websites. It brings down this Gemara. Potter, you do not have to pay. When a Jew's ox gores a Nochri's ox, you do not make payments. The other way around, then there's no din tam. Whether it's tam, bein tam, bein muad, what's the halacha? Muad meshalem, nezek shalem, you pay full damages. Okay, so we're going to have to understand why that works. So basically, the Tanavan Mishnah holds by Hegdish, either way, there's no payments. When it's a non Jew involved, then when it's his animal goring our animal, there's no din tam. It goes straight to muad. Nezek Shalem, whereas with our animal growing their animal, there is no payment made. So we have to see why that is. It says it more like this. The more points out, this is the Lord of that our Mishnah that holds there's no payments made by Hegdish is clearly not going like the sheet of Hashem Menasia. The sign of the Lord of Shem Menasia, Shal Hegdish, Shal Hegdish, Shal Hegdish, Shal Hegdish, Shal Hegdish, Potter, Shanamar, Shal Hegdish, Shal Hegdish. That was our Mishnah. The Tanakam of the Brisa is our Mishnah that when there's Hegdish involved one way or the other, there is no payment because the Torah says Shal Re'eyu means if your fellow man and not Shal Hegdish. Comes along Hashem Menasia, Omer. He agrees in the one side that when it's a Hegdish ox goring a privately owned ox, the Hegdish, we don't make the treasury have to pay. There is no payment. But the other way around, if it's a private ox that gored an ox that belongs to the base Hamigdash, then, there is full payments. There's no Tom, there's only Muad. You pay Nezek Sholem when you damage Hegdish's ox. So, therefore, clearly our Mishnah does not follow the opinion of Rav Shem Manasya. Our, our Mishnah is the opinion of the Tanakhama, which right away the Gemara jumps on this. How do we exactly, how do we understand the position of Rav Shem Manasya? Our, the Tanakhama we understand because the Pasuk when it talks about uh, the payments of Tam and he learns more from it says Re'eyu meaning that both oxen have to be privately owned oxen for there to be damages so either way but by Hegdish if it's not Re'eyu either the Mazik wasn't Re'eyu or the Nizik wasn't Re'eyu there's no payments comes along Rav Shemanasi and he makes a distinction. He says that if Hegdish is the damaging uh, uh, entity, it's the Mazik, then Taka, it's Potter. 
But if uh, Hegdish is the Nizak, then you do have to pay. So Mora wants to know, if he agrees with the drosha of Re'eyu, then either way there should be no payments. And if he doesn't agree, like Re'eyu's lavdafka, it says Re'eyu, but it could even refer to Hegdish, then either way there should be payments. How come he only holds there's no payments one way, but there are payments the other way? How does he get that? Because if you're holding of Re'eyu, it should go either way, there should be no payments. Right? Everyone have the problem. So when it's like this, Amri, Bnei Yeshiva raised the following problem. My Kasav Rab Shimon, what does Rab Shimon Taka hold? If Re'eyu means specifically your fellow man, that's when there's Nezokin, then even if a private ox damages a Hegdish ox, there should be no payments. But there he says, there are payments. In fact, there's there's a Kshalim. And if Re'eyu is just, just the terminology that the Torah used, your, your fellow, but it doesn't mean to exclude Hegdish's animal. So if Re'eyu is Lavdavka, then I feel Hegdish Nami Then when Hegdish damages a private ox, there should also be payments if the Re'eyu is not a specific, a, a direct drosha. Now maybe you'll tell me like this. Maybe you'll say it's false. Let me explain it outside and we'll see it inside. Maybe the Tanakhama does agree with Re'eyu. Right? And therefore, he, the drasha of Re'eyu, Lechora, would tell me that what? That there's no, there should be no payments either way. Because Re'eyu means no payments either way. However, there, there is a Kalachomer that limits the impact of that that limits the impact of that, uh, of, of that, what's his name, of, of that drusha. Why? Because it's true. Re'eyu would imply that there's no payments, whether it's Hegdish damaging Hedyot or Hedyot damaging Hegdish. Uh, damaging Hegdish. Uh, uh, right. now, however, however, we do know that when uh, a, 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 a Hedyot, a private ox, damages a private ox, what's the din? You, you pay, you pay, right, you pay. Now, where are we, we see in the Torah, where we are more concerned about funds, there's the laws of me'ilah, misappropriating hegdish, so therefore, we should be more concerned about the funds of hegdish than we should about a privately owned. So maybe it's a kabachomer. So even though the drasha of re'eyu teaches us that the laws of nezokin don't exactly apply to hegdish, it's true. To exempt when we dam when, when Hegdish damages us, that's where we'll apply it. But when we damage Hegdish, then we're gonna invoke a Kalvachomer. What's the Kalvachomer? That if you damage a private person, you damage Hegdish. So maybe that's my, you could make that argument. So we do Darsh and Re'eyu, but we have a Kalvachomer that limits the impact of Re'eyu, right? I wonder how that works. So what is it like this? Re'eyu is a precise drosha. However, when a private animal damages a hegdish animal, the reason why you're chayav, because we apply the following kavachomer, to hedyot from a, from a hedyot. My hedyot, hedyot. If a hedyot, if a private ox damages a private ox, then chayav, there you see the Torah is mechayav. So kinag the hegdish, so if it's magdish and agnag hegdish, then no kosher again to mechayav, then it should be mechayav, kavachomer should be mechayav. The problem is it still doesn't fit well with Rav Shemim Manasya. Why? Because what does Rav Shemim Manasya hold? That when a private ox damages Hegdish, what does he hold the payment is? 
He says, full damage, you skip Tom. Right? We know that when you make a Kalva Chomer, you can only, the limits of the Kalva Chomer are to where you're learning the Kal. Where the, what, what applies to the Kal will apply to the Chomer. But you can't go past it, like we've said before, that if I could bench press 150 pounds, honest was an ugly, I should be able to bench press 300, but we don't, the Kalva Chomer doesn't allow you to go more than 150. Which, if that's true, if we are making a Kalva Chomer to tell me that when our animal damages Hegdish, it should be no worse, it should be no better than our animal damages. So then, there should be Chatzinez Batam. So how come Rosh Hashanah jumps all the way to Mu'at? That can't, so it can't be based on the Kalva Chomer. It must be a different reason for it. Clear? Right. So what it says like this. Somewhere it says the chayre dayo lava minatin dayo means it's the expression. It's sufficient to uh, to derive what you're learning from. The, 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 in the logic, it should be like the nidon from the source of where you're learning from. The source you're learning from is from Hedyot. So, there is a concept of time is a chatzinezek. It doesn't jump straight to Muad. So, should be also the same din. So, then why does Shemunazia say that if we damage Hegdish right away, it's Nezek Shalom? So, it cannot be based on the Kalvacharmas. So we're back to our question. It's, it's, it's either zero or a hundred. If you hold of Re'eyu, both cases should be potter. And if you hold, you don't hold that the drosha of Re'eyu's da'afka, then both cases should be chayev. So how come he's a potter one and chayev the other? Let's say with So El Amre Shlokish, Shlokish says like this. He says, the truth of the matter, let me explain this a, a little bit outside. The truth of the matter is, it's, this, this drosha of Re'eyu is not written by Mu'ad. I told you, where is it, where is it used with the ox of your ox damages Re'eyu? It's written by Tam. By Re'eyu, all it says is that if your goring ox damages an animal, shalem yashalem, it's nezek shalem. And it doesn't say the word Re'eyu. So for the starting point by Mu'ad, Mu'ad would apply to who? To, to because it doesn't use the word Re'eyu over there. Not just regular people. It doesn't use the word Re'eyu by Mu'ad. So therefore, your starting point is by Mu'ad, Nezek Sholem would apply to all entities, whether they're private or whether it belongs to Hegdish. That's where you would start, right? So I call her Yubachlal Nezek Sholem. Everyone's included in the Chiyuv of Nezek Sholem by Mu'ad because the Mi'at of Re'eyu is not written there. Kishaparat l'cha kosev Re'eyu gabetam. Comes along the Torah and it, is, it's, it specifies the concept of Re'eyu. Where does it specify it? By the laws of Tam, right? Therefore, gabetam. Re'eyu de Tam mishalem chatzinezek. It says that Re'eyu pays chatzinezek. So what does that imply? It means that this din, this leniency, you're given by private animals, dumbing private animals, instead of being full, it will be chatzi, right? Now, that, but that's only a leniency for regular people, but Hegdish still should stay at Nezek Sholem. Therefore, Michlal, the Hegdish, Bain Tam, Bain Muad, Mishalem, Nezek Sholem. Right? That remains Nezek Sholem, right? Nezek Sholem. Now, now, because if in fact it wanted to be Mimayat, if it wanted to tell you that Re'eyu is across the board, not only by Tom, but even by Mu'ad, that, there's ne- that you don't ever pay damages for Hegdish, it should have written the, le- the mute of Re'eyu, not in the case of Tom. It should have written it where? In the case of Mu'ad. It should say that there's no din by Mu'ad, there's no, but it doesn't write it, only by Tom. Means, that means actually it's a stringency, not only, meaning there's no Tom. 
by Hegdish. That's what it's saying. But there is a concept of Mu'ad. Then you should write the word Re'eyu by Mu'ad. It didn't write the word Re'eyu by Mu'ad. It only wrote it by Tom. Now Rashi asks over you the obvious question. So basically you're telling me like this. What? What about Tanakama? No, that's not the Kasha. He doesn't, the Tanakama learns you'd learn out Tom from Mu'ad. He doesn't make this drosha. But the, no, there's a much more basic question. We're trying to understand the sheet of Rav Shem So we ask Rav Shem how come if our animal damages head dish, it's full damages. So there we said, because the, because the Pasuk by, by Mu'ad doesn't exclude Hegdish, right? So therefore, it only excludes it from, from, it only excludes it from Tom. So therefore, there's no Din Tom if you damage Hegdish. But Rashim Anasya also holds the other way, that if, if Hegdish damages us, what is it all? Um, if Hegdish damages, I mean, sorry. If, uh, yeah, if Hegdish damages a private person, he holds you potter. But why should you be potter? Meaning, you've just shown why there should be no tam. I understand, it should always be Nezik Shalom. But that drasha should still work both ways. How do you see from here why it only goes one way and it doesn't go the other way? That's Raji says. Raji, that, that's an obvious question. So Raji says, it's, it's very difficult because like almost a drasha, Raji's bringing almost a drasha that the Gemara should have spoken out, but it is not. Raji says that the Pasuk, in order to be able to make an animal a muad, it says that umuad bebalav, that the owner has to be there to be warned in Bastin. The abalav, like it's mashma, uh, it's, it's a, it's, the bala is much more like a, the private owner has to be there. Obviously, there's no concept of the private owner being there and getting a warning when it comes to Hegdish. So therefore, the concept of making the animal muad can't apply to Hegdish because there can't be the warning with the owner of the animal there. So therefore, that's why there is no damages made, uh, that can be, uh, can be taken from the owner of the animal when it's Hegdish. The other way where Hegdish is the victim, that's what we're discussing. Why should there be payments? If Re'eyu is Dafka, there should be no payments. Because Re'eyu is Dafka by Tom, it's not by Mu'ad. There is no concept of Tom. That's why it's always Nezek Sholem if you damage Hegdish. There's no payments where Hegdish damages you because there's no concept of Balav that, that the Pasuk requires that, that should be with the owner being warned. Oh, why are we talking about warning the, the owner of a tom no, we're not. We're not worried about. Oh, it's, it's the other way around. When the when the when the when the perpetrator's hegdish is when you need the warning. The question is: when exemption is the exemption is when hegdish damages you. When you damage hegdish, you do have to pay full damages. Question is: well, why don't you pay? Why doesn't hegdish pay you full damages when they damage you? Answer is because they can't. There's no din of warning there in front of the bylaw. Okay. All right. Let's go on. All right. Um, now, so we said that, again, a Jew's animal that damages a, 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 a Knani, Potter, but a Knani that damages a Jew, there's no Chatsi Nezek, it's Nezek Shalom. So they want to ask the question, I mean, Manoshah. If Re'eyu means your fellow, means your, Jew, your, the, uh, your Jewish friend, that's what it says, Dafka, and therefore it excludes a Anani. Then what you mean, that when you damage him, there's no damages, but also when he damages you, there should be no damages either. So then Kanani is a Kinaga Nami, so when he damages you too, because Re'eyu. 
be Re'eyu Lavdavk, and if Re'eyu doesn't mean to exclude an Ovid Kuchovim, so then the Chora, Fili Yisrael Kinaga Kiknani, that when a Jew damages a, uh, an Ovid an Kanani, oh, I mean, not an Ovid Kanani, an Anachri, should also be a Chayev, should be Chayev. So I'm so he says like this, the Pshat is as follows, is that really, Re'eyu should not necessarily exclude an Ovid Kuchovim. Right? And therefore, there should be a chiyuv when he damages you, and there should also be a chiyuv when you damage him. It should go both ways. The only thing is, is that Ahmad v'yemodet aretz. The Pazuk says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, arose and he assessed the land, ra'ah, and based on what he saw, vayater goyim, and he released the goyim. What does it mean he released the goyim? What is it? Ra'ah sheva mitzvah shekib la'aleim b'nei he saw that the seven mitzvahs that the Bnei Noach had accepted upon themselves came at Shlokimu, they were not keeping the seven mitzvahs they were supposed to keep. Amar behitir ma'monon Yisrael. He went and he released their money to the Yisrael. And what does it mean he released their money to Yisrael? That even when you damage them, then what? You don't have to pay. Don't have to pay. pay. So technically, they are chayv in the parsha and the zikin ah, right, when they right. damage you. But when you damage them, this we we, we were chayv to have to pay. This. At, at one point, it would have been chayv. But this, but when they no, stop keeping the zayimus enough, then you're not chayv. All right. Now, Rabbi Yechonon Amar Mihacha. He says the same idea from uh, from a pasuk by by uh, uh, by Matan Torah. It says a fear mehar paran. Remember, he went around shopping the Torah to all the nations of the world, and it said he revealed himself. He revealed at Har Paran. So, what does it mean? Miparan Hofia. What he revealed, he made accessible, made available. Bamonam Yisrael. The Goyim's money became revealed to the Jewish people again as as a penalty for not keeping the Zion mitzvahs. So Tanya Nami Hachi, we have a rise that supports this. Shoshul Shoshul Naga Shoshul Kanani is Potter. All right. The rise is that when a Yisrael's gore, uh, animal gore is a Jewish, uh, a non-Jew's animal, it's Potter. Shoshul Kanani Shnaga Shoshul Yisrael Bein Tam Bein Mu. It is automatically Mishalem Nezek Shalom. There's no compassion shown over there. It automatically goes to being a full damages. Shenema Amad v'yimodet Aretz, HaKadosh Baruch arose and he assessed the land, Rabbi Yatzer Goyim, and he released their money. V'omer, and also we have another passage that says, Hofia Mahar Baron, he revealed from himself at Har Baron, and, uh, and, and, and it means he revealed, we said like he revealed their money. Now this, we always have this question, when you have two psukim teaching you the same thing, why do you need the second passage? My V'omer, for already teaches you from the passage of Amad v'yimodet Aretz, why do you need the passage of Mahar Baron? So when it says, because when I see there's two other ways to learn that first pasuk, the other usages of that pasuk, either like Rav Masna uses, we'll see in a moment, or Rav Yosef uses, that's why you need He revealed their money, made their money accessible to the Jewish people. Now, therefore, means the reason why it is the Omer, because you could argue that the pasuk of Amad Vayamodet Aretz. Uh, uh, is, is, is used with some other drosha. Now we're going to see what's the other drosha. So my, the Rav Masna, what is Rav Masna's way of using the pasuk? Dam Rav Masna, Amad Vimodet Aretz, what does it mean? He got up, he arose, and he assessed the land. Ra, what did he see? Ma, Ra, Ra, Sheva Mitzvah, Shnishtava, Lem, Bnei Noach, Elokimum. He saw the seven Mitzvah, they were not Mekayim, them. Ahmad, and when it says over there, Vayater Goyim, it doesn't mean he permitted their money, like we wanted to say it means. It's Ahmad Vahigla Osam Me'ad Mosam. 
He exiled them. That when the Goyim don't keep the Zion Mitzvah of Noach, they get exiled from their lands. That's what it means. Vayater, he, he, he literally, he released them from their lands, from, their, from the connection to their lands, he exiled them. My mash, my, how do you see the word Vayater has anything to do with relocating them to a different prop, to a different land? Where does it seem, seem to say that means exile? My, my mash with the high Vayater is Lishna Dagluye, is a lotion of exile. He's a very interesting source. Xiv Hacha, Vayater, Goyim, he's a lotion of Vayater of, we want to say means relocating. Vixiv Hossam, it talks about uh, the, the, the grasshoppers that you're allowed to eat. You're not allowed to eat. It says that it has legs, Lenater Bahen Al to jump from one place to another on, on, on the land. So you see the Lashon of Ayatar is a Lashon of relocating, going from one place to another. So therefore, and as the Targum Unkos translates, that Lenater Bahen means that to jump. Al Ara on, on the ground from one place to another. So you see a Lushan Vayatra is a Lushan of relocating, i.e. exiling. Now that was the way Ramasna learned the puzzle. We said also Rabbi Yosef had his own way of learning the puzzle too. What was the way Rabbi Yosef learned the puzzle? So my dear Rabbi Yosef, what is the way Rabbi Yosef learned the puzzle? Dam Rabbi Yosef, Ahmad Vyamoded Aretz says that Kajboruch uh, arose and he assessed the land. Ra, what did he see? Ma, Ra, again, he saw He saw the seven mitzvahs that they accepted, they did not fulfill. Amad v'hitirem lahem, v'hitirem lahem. So the simple translation is, he was martyred them, he released them from doing the Zion mitzvah they know of. Means he said, you don't have to do it anymore. So he wants to say, is Guri Asgar, what? They're going to be rewarded? They don't keep the Zion mitzvahs, so and therefore the way Hashem reacts is, he releases them from the mitzvahs. Imkei matzinachot iniskar, comes out that because you sin, you get rewarded, right? I don't, you don't have to do them anymore. The Amar Mar Lomar It means that means that nowadays, even if they try to keep the seven mitzvahs of they Noach, then what? They don't get the rewarded for that. What is that true? Veloy. Vatanya, we learned in the Bryzer of Mayor Omer, even more than that, even Tariag mitzvahs, we're going to see if they keep the 613 mitzvahs, they get rewarded for it. So, what do you mean they're not going to get rewarded for the Zion mitzvahs that they keep? So, when it says, if you have an Ogat Kucham that engages himself in Torah, he can reach levels like a Kohen Gadol, right? Even a Goy, right? Shetam with Lamer, because it says, Asher Yase Osama Odom Vechaibahem. That these are the mitzvahs that, are, that, are, that an Odom should keep, and he should, uh, and he should have great uh, vitality and, and life for himself. Now it says, who's keeping the mitzvahs? is Adam. It doesn't say, Kahanim Levim Yisraelim is going to find vitality through keeping of the mitzvahs. It says, Lainemar Ela Adam. Adam, we know, is not specifically. Yeah. All right. He's obviously not an Kachavim because not being also with Torah. But if he's a Nachri that's being also with Torah, he could be in the Revan, right? So therefore, so we have a question. So what does it mean HaKadosh Baruch Hu released them? They can't be released them from the mitzvahs because it's Chot and Iskar. Can't be released them, they don't get reward. We see over here that they could get reward. So Amri, Ein Mekabal Neschar, It means that at one point in time when they were instructed to do it, they would have kept it, they would have received a much greater reward. Because when you keep a mitzvah that you're instructed to do, you get greater reward than doing a mitzvah that you're not instructed to do. So nowadays, if the Ayub de Kachavim do the Zion mitzvah they know of, where they're obligated to do it, but the reward they're going to receive is like someone 
who's not obligated to go. That's that was the punishment they received. That it means you might think it's really counterintuitive. You might think who should be greater? The guy that's not instructed and does it is going above and beyond. The ones instructed should be lesser reward. However, as Tosa's explained in condition, is that there's a greater Yetzahara. When you're obligated to do something, when you're not obligated, therefore the reward is greater when you are obligated, and therefore their reward now is only like one who is not. That's the punishment that they have. But anyway, there's two different ways of learning Vayatar, other than the way we learned. That's what we need the posuk of Ephiah Maharpar. Tanrabhan we learned in a Braisa. There was a situation that happened that the Malchus of Raimi, they didn't trust what the Jews had in their Torah. So what they did, they found two uh, officers of the Roman army that were brilliant scholars, and they sent them to the, the Jewish uh, scholars, to the Chachamim, and they said, you now have to teach these two Kala And they'll come back and report to us whether or not there's stuff in there that's shady. That's like anti, uh, anti-Goyish, right? anti-Goyim. We want to know what's in there because we want to know if there's anything in there that is not appropriate from our perspective. So, two officers, teach us your Torah. So, Koru, they taught them Sukkim, Vishonu, and either they reviewed or they taught Mishnayas. Vishil Shulu, and they reviewed it a third time, all right, until they finally were able to at least understand at whatever level they were able to understand, they understand to be able to go back to Rome. Shaz Pitirosin, at the time that they were leaving uh, to go back to Rome, Amrulahem. It could be that really what they're most marked on Gomorrah. Talmud, we know there was an issue. They had issue with Talmud. But even so, the Greeks wouldn't let them read uh, the Torah in, 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 da, in Davening. That's where Haftorah, Avudram uh, says that Haftorah starts because of in, in the story of Hanukkah that they weren't allowed to read the Psukim Chumash. And therefore, they always they found the Haftorah that has the same Indian. Mm-hmm. And once they misakin that, it never they never canceled it and continued with Haftorah. Anyway, so Moses says like this: Amrulahem, Digdak Nebuchol Teraschem. He says we have been very careful, very precise in going reviewing your Torah. The Emes who and everything we found is true. Chut There's one thing that we think is not uh, that that lacks. Lacks integrity, that lacks uh, uh, intellectual integrity. What is this? Shatem Omrim, Shoshal Yisrael, Shanaga Shoshaknani, Potter, that you say that a Jew's ox that gores a Knani's ox is Potter, but Shoknani, Shanaga Shoshal Yisrael, Bentam Bemur, Misham Nezek Sholem. That uh, for the other way around, it's full damages. And they had the kasha, the Gemara asked, Memon of Shach. Means pick your way you want to look at it, however you want to look at it. If you hold Re'eyu means Dafka, Jew, and not an Ovid Kachovim, so then I feel the Knani, Kinam, this Then the Petur should go both ways. Jews goring a, a, a non Jew, but non Jew goring a Jew. Should also be Potter because there's no Nazakim unless it's Re'eyu. Be Re'eyu love Dafka, and if Re'eyu doesn't mean to exclude an Ovid Kachovim, which means Ovid Kachovim isn't a Baj Nazakim, then the payment should be made both ways as well. So therefore, should be chayev as well, right? So therefore, that was 
a, uh, a, 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 a their kasha was a kasha more. Now we had the the, the, the Gwana didn't say that they answered. Ah, the pasuk says Hashem was matir. That, that could have maybe uh, provoked them even worse. So they, but the Gwana says like this. But they had brought in to the system. They were so impressed with the Torah itself. That this thing, this one thing that we have an issue with, we're not going to tell them, oh, we're not going to say. I think there's Yerushalmi over here, I remember seeing, uh, that, that says that, 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 that they, by the time they got to Rome, they forgot this question. But anyway, the point is like this. So therefore, that, that's the... So Rabbi Shmuel bar Yehuda, bar, this is a very difficult story here. Rabbi Shmuel bar Yehuda lost a daughter. His daughter passed away. So Amalei Rabbanon le'ula. So Rabbanon said to Ula, Kum nezel nechame, let's go up together. Come join us. The Chachamim are all going to... Uh, to he, was, he was like... To Menachem him. So Amalu, my is he says, leave me alone. I don't want to go with the Babylonians when they do Nechama. Why? Because I think that the way the Jewish Babylonians do Nechama, the Menachem Avo, I think it's considered blasphemous. It's blasphemous. Why? To Amri, my Because they, they throw their hands up and they tell the guy, Look, what can we do? There's nothing we could do. We couldn't have stopped this. So he says, the implication is, is that if you could have done something to stop it, even though this is what Hashem wanted, you would have wanted to stop it. What do you mean? Hashem wanted this to happen. It makes no difference whether you could stop it or you can't stop it. So what are you being Menachem? Oh, what can we do? There's nothing we could do to stop this, right? That, that, that he held that that was considered borderline blasphemous. So therefore, ha does that imply that if there's something you could have done with Avdi, you would have done it, done it to stop it happening, even against the Kodesh Baruch Hu's wishes. So he didn't like the way the Bablayim were Menachem Avos, therefore he didn't want to go together with them. But what he did was, Azil Hu Lechudoi, Gabay, but he went alone. Right? He went on his own to be Menachem Avel. This way, he can be Menachem Avel the way he wants to be Menachem Avel and not together with the... Ula. Ula actually was from Eretz Yisrael, yes. But he didn't want to go with with, 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 with the Babloim to Menachem Avel. Now, but what he... How he is Menachem is very difficult. This is... I guess it's a different level. So Amar Leh, so this is what Ula said to the Rebbe, to Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda. This is how he's Menachem Avel him. He says, Vayomer Hashem. Hashem told Moshe, "Al is that you're approaching now the land of Moab." He says that I you, I do not want you to uh, uh, to provoke them. Uh, do not do not do not uh, provoke them into war. You are not allowed to incite or provoke them into war. Okay. Now the question was. That what 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 is the pshat that Moshe on his own would lead them to war? What havamina is there that if Hashem right it means Moshe Hashem thought he was going to go and attack them and he says no you can't attack them. Why would Moshe have thought he can attack them without getting permission from Hakadosh Baruch that you're allowed to go and attack, attack Moab? Why would have it entered Moshe's mind that he is allowed to do Melchama? So Lobershus without permission. Moses is like this. Moshe made a kavachomer. Kavachomer. Hashem allows us to make kavachomers when we know that by Arvis Moab, when the the girls, the non-Jewish girls, uh, uh, seduced the men into doing some serious averus, the Jewish men, that was Bilam's advice. So really, over there, Moab was the protagonist. Moab was the main thrust of the avera. Midian 
joined in. And yet we see Hashem allowed Moshe, allowed Pinchas to go to war against Midian. So Moshe made a Kalvachomer. If we could go to war against Midian, because what they did at Arvas Moab, and they were only the... Uh, the right, they weren't the, the primary protagonists. So Kalvachomer what? Go ahead, you can certainly attack. So that's why Moshe had to tell him. I mean, that's why Hashem had to tell him. You know, Mitzad the Kalvachom, you're right, but I don't want you doing that. That's what happened over there. So therefore, Elamanasa Moshe Kalvachom, Moshe made the Kalvachom himself. And now, Mamid, your name, Shalobo, El Lazar, is Moab. They came to help Moab. They're only there supporting role. Amra Tayrat Surus, Amid, your name, that you shall uh, incite against the Midianites and you shall strike them down in Muhammad. Moavim Atzman, but the the Moavits, the Moavim themselves, who were the main protagonists. So Lord Kolsha came. That what? That you should be able to attack them. Yes, you should, should be able to attack them. So Amalek Kodesh Borchu, Lokish Al Sal Daitcho, Al Sal Daiti. Not what's entered into your mind. It's it's it's, it's a glaichas. It's a glata swara. Means your kavachorim is a good kavachorim, but that's not what I want. Why? Because they predos tovas yeshli lahotzimehen. I have two young doves that are going to come from Moab. And if you wipe them out, then what? No, we won't have these David. descendants, right? Who was that? Rusa Moavia, who was, the, uh, was the, the, the matriarch that from which David HaMelech came. And Naam HaMonis, who was the wife of Shlomo HaMelech from which Rechavam came. So therefore, that's why you should not go to battle against who? Against Moab. Right. Now, so now, says the Gemara like this. Okay, so what does that have to do? How's that being Menachem Avalim? Remember what he's saying. So he said like this. Halo dvarim kalvachomer. Uma bishvil shtei preidus tovos. Because of these two uh, young doves that were going to come later on, generations later, in the lineage of uh, Ammon, and, uh, in the lineage of Moab, chas HaKadosh Baruch Al Beis Umas Gedolos. Hakadosh Baruch Hu had Rachmanus on these two, uh, two, two nations, which one was uh, Moab and the other one was Ammon. He also made sure nothing happened to Ammon because from these two nations, one was Moab and one was Ammon, there would be no uh, right Midian. Go ahead and wipe out. We don't care about Midian, but Moab and Ammon, you should leave alone because of these two girls that are going to come out from them. Below Echrivan, and do not allow them to be destroyed. So Bito Sholrebi, so your daughter. Im if she was fit, appropriate, and from her would have come great people, then Kavachomer, what? Hashem would not. So obviously, if you let her go, that means there's a, no, no great expectations coming for her. So you shouldn't feel so bad. That's the Nechama uh, that is given. So therefore, Im if she was Kshayra and fit, good things to come from her. Allah has come come. Tabachai would have left her alive. And therefore, don't feel so bad. Again, <laughs> the Mephorsh match will deal with what, what, that. That's going to be Menachem, the person, and they're not going to make him feel better. Anyway, fine. Now, Amrab Chiyabar Abba, Amrab Yechunon. Ain't a Kurzborg Mekaper Schar, Shulkol Biria, Aphilus Schar Sicha Noe. That a Kurzborg who never withholds reward to any creature, even for appropriate speech. A person speaks in an appropriate manner, you'll get rewarded for that as well. Where do we see that? Now, we know that Lot was, slept with both his daughters, right? The one daughter 
called, the older daughter called the child Moav, which clearly indicates Me'av, that what? Father, which means it was a result. Anyway, came from an... Came from this, uh, from, from an, inse- an ancestral relationship. The second one called the child Amon. Amon is like my nation. It hides the fact that it's directly from. So who used the appropriate lotion? The younger daughter. So we're going to see that the reward that she got for using the right language is that, that she, her descendant, entered into Claudius. The Elu Bechira, the Ka'amra, that the older one that said that the, the, the Ka'amra, Moab, called him Moab, that which identifying the ancestral relationship over here, Amala Kodesh Borchel Moshe, Altitzar is Moab, for Altitzar, Bam, Milchama. The other one is Moabite. The, the, the other one was Moabite. And what did it say over there? It said over there, now we're going to see, how do we see that there was greater reward for speaking in a more delicate way? Because the older one did not speak delicately. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu say about Moab? Al-Titzar is Moab, al-Titzar That you cannot provoke and incite them for war. It's mashma that the, the red line was, don't go to war with them. However, you can't go to war with them. But if you want to take from them taxes, you want to use their items, things that are, you know, without just directly going to war, but utilizing them, take from them, procure their, their assets for yourself. That you can go. You can go ahead and, 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 and enslave them, subjugate them to make them have to pay taxes. That's fine. That's what he allowed for the older one. Seira, the younger one, to Kamra, that she said Ben Ami, that she did, uh, was more of a delicate Lushan, did not identify with. Um, with his father. There's more than one. Okay. All right. So what over there? So Amale, Akarish Baruchu, Lamosha, he said, the Karafta Mulbne Amon, when you come close to the nation of Ammon, do not uh, provoke or incite them at all. Klaw means you can't even go ahead and, and, and tax them or subjugate them at all, not just for war purposes. Even for financial purposes, do not take their assets. So what do we see? That there was a greater protection they had. Why did Ammon deserve a greater protection than Moab? Because the, door, the, the, the delicate speech of the second daughter allowed them a greater protection than what the first speech. That's, you see the reward for delicate speech. Okay, so that's, in, that's where you see the second one being rewarded over the first one. Yeah. All right? But you also see the opposite. You should, person should rush to do a mitzvah, right? Because the one night that the older daughter, remember in their minds, it was considered an Avel Lishma, they were doing a mitzvah because they thought that the procreation, the world was gonna, so the, the older one, that even though she spoke indelicately, that's not exterior to this, but she also did a mitzvah earlier. She rushed, so therefore, that one night caused there to be a four generation gap between when they entered into Klal Yisrael, all right? Shadaraz Yisrael, oh, because why? Because the, 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 the older one that was, Moav. Wait, wait, I thought it's saying now this is a good thing. That she yeah, that's good. So the older one entered four generations earlier. One night earlier, got four generations earlier. Right? Yes, because she had, because we, what, because, uh, because, oh, where okay. we see, she, because she married, Rus got, Rus married and had a child named Oved. 
who had a child named Yishai, who had a child named David, who had a child named Shlomo. So therefore, she was already in Klai Yisrael four generations. Shlomo married Naama, who came from who came from uh, Ammon, all right, and had a child named Rechavam. So the Jewish child born from the convert from Ammon came in only four generations after the Jewish child that had come in from, which was Oved, which had come in from Rus. Ve'ilu tzeira ad Rechavam, went all the way to Rechavam, that was her child, Naama's child, t'ksiva shem imo naama amonis. Okay, that's the point. So therefore, so it's not a contradiction. On one hand, the older one spoke indelicately and therefore had less protection than the younger one, but on the other hand, the older one did rush to do the mitzvah earlier than the younger one, and therefore she was rewarded that four generations early, later, uh, four generations earlier than the older, than, 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 than the younger one, she had a child that came into Klaisro. Tanabon we learned in a Braisa. So now we're gonna be dealing with Kusim. The Kusim were a nation that uh, the uh, king of Ashur displaced. Whenever he conquered a land, he displaced them and he moved them to different areas. And he moved the Kusim from wherever they lived and he moved from Kuta, he moved them to Eretz Yisrael. And in Eretz Yisrael, there was a plague of lions that attacked them, and they saw this as a sign that they got to stop worshiping Avodah Zarah, and they converted. Now there's a big machlokas tanoyim, is that, was that conversion a valid conversion or not a valid conversion? So let's see if we can tell from the rulings whether the Tana of the rulings here hold that they considered either Geire Emes, true conversions, or Geire Arayos, or conversions of lions, which means it wasn't done for the appropriate reason. So it says like this. So Tanaban, if a Jewish ox gored a Kusi ox, Potter, the Jew doesn't have to pay. But if a Kusi damaged a Jew's ox, so then, now this seems to be a hybrid because on the one hand, when the kusi damages the, uh, the when when the kusi damages the Jew, there is a din of tam and muad, which means that you're viewing him as a Jew. But then, when the Jew damages the kusi, there we say there's no payments. The Gemara is going to say later on, technically there should be, but because the Kusim went back to doing, uh, this whole, this time of holds that Kusim are really our converts, our Jewish, but they went back to doing Avodah Zorah. We didn't want the regular Jews to live amongst them. So the way to stop Jews from living amongst them, we said that if they, if a Jew animal damages your animal, you're not going to be able to claim, then the Kusim are not going to want to live around the Jews. Who wants to live around the neighbor that if the neighbor damages him, he can't lodge clay. So that's, that's just a knas that was put in, okay? Now, Rab Meir Omer, Shor Shal Yisrael, Shanaga Shoshal Kusi is Potter. He holds that if a Shor of Yisrael damages a Shor of a Kusi is Potter, he holds it goes all the way up to Muad right away. Now, Rab Meir seems to be comparing it to an Ovid Kachavin, because that was the rule of the Ovid Kachavin. Right? He's disagreeing. The Tanakhama sees he's like a Jew. Uh, then why is it that if he damages, with the, the Jew damages the Kusi's potter? We said it's a knas. But Rav Meir seems to say is that there's no din tam when a, when a 
kusi damages a Jew. It's right away muad. And when a Jew damages a kusi, there's no payment at all, which is exactly what we said before, is the din by an over kechavim. So Mora says like this, Lameimra, the savra of Meir Kusim Geira, right? So that, that seems to say that Meir is of the opinion that the Kusim were not valid Geirim. It was Geira rice, and therefore they got the status of Ovdei Kochavin. Mora says, the problem is, I mean, I'm going to ask you a following question. In Seches Nido, we talk about over there that there is a concept of Ksamim, stains that are fine, found on a woman's garment can be Matama. That it's going to that it's a din nida, it's matama, stains can be matama. However, that midaraisa, the stains of a non-Jewish woman are the 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 the, the dam of a non-Jewish woman is not matama. Even though midrabonan actual dam is, but stains they never made the xeron stains. So stains on a garment that comes from a non-Jewish woman is not matama. So if you find on garments of a woman you find stains, the shaila is well who did it come from to determine whether it's considered to be tame or not. So it says called what's it? The garment is not matama. The garment will not be matama anybody that comes into contact with the garment. So now kolak samim boy so the, 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 the Tanakama holds that any garments that come from the city of Rechem are Tahorim. Why? Because according to Tanakama, Rechem was only of the Kechavim, or the majority were of the Kechavim. So, so the stains on the garments are Tahor. He says, no, because there were among them many converts that just went off the derech and started living with the of the Kechavim. And therefore you cannot assume that these garments are coming from non-Jews, they could be from the Geirim that went off the derech, but that's Jewish garment, that's Jewish women, and therefore the, 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 the stains are metame. Now, if you know for sure that it comes from then everybody holds it to Horim. If it comes from Yisrael, or me bain kusim, Yisrael or kusim, Rav Meir metamim, Now, let's focus on Rav Meir metamim. Rav Meir says clearly it's metamim, it means he holds kusim, and before we said from the laws of Nezek, it seems to be holding it's, it's, yeah, it's not. Now, the, 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 the Gemara in... The Gemara in, what's his name, in Nido, actually changes the Lushen around to make more sense. But basically, the Chachamim hold that even though they're Jewish women or Kusim, but they hold that, uh, that they would not leave their garments in a pub- public place to be found. And therefore, we don't attribute these stains to the Jewish women because they wouldn't have left their garments in such a place that could be found because of their modesty that they have. They wouldn't allow. And therefore, you don't have to worry about it. That means that therefore, even though they agree that that, that, that garments from a, a Jew or a Kusi technically are Matama, but we don't assume these are from them because they would not have left them in a public forum. So, you're not concerned about the Ksamim, that this would be theirs because they wouldn't have left their garments in a public forum. Him. But nevertheless, from Rav Meir, Amakasav Rav Meir, Kusim Geir Emerson, we see really Rav Meir holds that if a garment of a Kusi's Matame must be holds that they're considered Geir Emes. So therefore, a contradiction what he ruled here by Nazakin and what he ruled by the Ksamim. That actually, Rav Meir also agrees that by Akusi, because they went off the derech, they got emes, but they went back to doing Avodah He says the penalty was placed on them because we don't want them around us. How did what did he penalize? That if we damage them, nothing, nothing. They damage us. Forget about time. I'm not going to give them. It goes muad shalom. This way, they're not going to live around us, and therefore, we're not going to be influenced by them. Shaloyatamu by hand that we should not be. Let not become in. 
influenced by them and by their behaviors. All right, so now, the Gemara has the following question. So basically, what's the knas? The knas is that we affect their money, they're not going to want to live around us. So Gemara says, Masiv Rabzeira. So Rabzeira has the following question. What does it say? I think it's a Mishnah, actually. What does this Mishnah say? Elunara Shiyeshlem Knas. The following, you know, that if a person, the Mora says that if a person rapes a woman, then you have to pay. If she's a Nara and she's a Basula, you have a certain Knas that has to be paid. 50 Shkalim, whatever it was, that had to be paid. All right, I'm saying, right. So therefore, it's like this. So it says, Elunara Shiyeshlem Knas, Habala Mamzeres, that if a person, even though she's a Mamzeres, but she's an Ara Basula, you have to pay Knas. Allah Nasina, she's an Asina, even though Nasina they were demoted not to be able to marry into Glasrol. For Allah Kusis, you still have to pay Knas. Now, the question that was asking, if you're telling me that we made a penalty that you don't that we don't pay the Nezek to a Kusi, then why are we paying the Knas? To a kusi. We should not pay it so that they won't want to live yeah. around us. Now, Isa, I cannot start making my money. If a mayor made this knas against their money, so let's make the knas that we shouldn't become influenced by when we live around them. So, it's just like this. Technically, you're right. But think about this. If you tell a rapist he rapes a kusi girl, oh, no, no, you, you don't have to pay, you've rewarded him for his rape. That we don't want to do. It's one thing to say, okay, you know, you strolled and you didn't watch the animals so well. It's not really rewarding him for being an, doing an Aveira. Okay, he wasn't careful, but it's not, but here your mom is, the guy did something terrible and you're going to go ahead and reward him for that. Therefore, over here, we still make him pay the knas. So, Amar Abaya, in order that we should not reward the sinner. Second time today, we've had that concept. All right? So I says, fine. I understand. But still, what you should do, you still, but you, remember what you're going up against because you don't want the Kusim living amongst the Jews. So therefore, what you should do is penalize him, but give the money to Tzedakah. Give it, make him have to pay Aniyan. That way you can accomplish both. A, a sinner won't be rewarded. Why? Because he's, he's going to have to pay. He's still going to have to pay. But still, the Kusim are not going to want to live, on, live around us. Why? They're going to get the money. They won't want to live around Jews. If they know their, their, woman gets, their daughters get raped, they're not going to pay. So Moses is like this. So why don't give it to Aniyam? So I'm Rav Mari, Mishum, to have a moment she ain't let The reason is like this, because it'll never get paid. Because who's going to claim? If you make it open-ended, just give, if it's one person that claims the money, the money gets paid. But if you go, oh, you have to give it to any Ani. Okay, this Ani shows up, I don't want to give it to you, I want to give it to that. It's, it's not going to be effective if you make it open to a multiple group of people. So therefore, the only way to effectively penalize the guy for what he did is to say you have to pay one specific person. To make it open to a whole group of people, he won't end up paying, and it'll come out, the chayta will be niskar. That's why we did this in this way. So we'll stop over here.